Sabbath morning instead of here, you're welcome. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Gracious Father, as we look at the subject this morning, help us to grow, help us to change, help us to listen to the warning signals. In Jesus' name, amen. Guilt, good or bad? This morning, guilt is the first step towards the kingdom. That first step towards the kingdom is important. I want, there's a reason I've chosen this picture. It isn't up yet. I don't know what's going on. But how many remember back in the early 60s when they went away from gauges to what they called gas lights? I grew up in a place where they called them idiot lights. The people who used to like the gauges called them idiot lights because when that light came on, that means that damage had already happened. Okay? Now, i got to tell you a story. I had bought a car. It had number five piston and a six-cylinder engine. It had low compression. So it's going to burn oil. We burn. I, I did put some gauges in to see how the oil pressure was doing. But that car burned so much oil. I got tired of checking it. So I would wait till the engine light came on. And then I would add some oil. And I did that for a long, long time. I did it quite a while. I'd add oil. That solved the problem. The light went out. No more problem, right? But each time I did it, damage was happening. And one of the things is I was out 46 years ago. I was out 40, maybe 47 years ago. I was out on the date with Dorothy. And we went around a curve, and the red light came on. Oh, I had checked the oil, and I knew it was up. But it come on. But as soon as the car straightened out, went straight, the red light would go off. So I went home, and I explained what was going on to my dad, and my dad put, knew what I had done. He says, tomorrow morning we're going to the junkyard. So we picked up and bought a, bought a used engine. And all day long, my dad never told me one time, what were you thinking when the red light came on? He never told me that you were messing, you really were an idiot like the light. He just helped me. And fact is, that night, it was Friday afternoon. We put that, that Friday, all day Friday, we put it in there. And I wanted to, because I was home from Southern for a weekend, and I wanted to go see Dorothy, I drove that car to see her that night. Okay? I said, that was what I wanted to understand is that sometimes when we get guilt, we don't handle it. Or we don't handle it rightly. We don't deal with it right. And the fact is, 
It's the first step to the kingdom. And in Daniel chapter 9, 15, and Daniel sees his people going all wrong directions. He says, we have sinned. We are all what? Guilty. Romans says, for all have fallen short, right? We are all guilty. Nobody is guilt-free. One who's writing about this put it this way. Those who have not humbled their soul before God and acknowledged their guilt have not, not yet filled the first condition of acceptance. Okay, we need to be willing to acknowledge the light came on. Am I going in and out? Okay, that's fine then. The light came on. And many of us are running around with a dash light on and saying, oh, if it goes off, I'm okay. You're, not, you're in danger. You're in big danger. Unconfessed guilt destroys self-respect. Okay, unconfessed guilt. I need to confess it to God, but I do not need to confess it to everyone else. Those who indulge in the sin of self-respect, indulge in sin, self-respect is destroyed. When that is gone, respect for others is lessened. And we think that others are as unrighteous as we are ourselves. So we just start saying everything's okay. You say, why deal with guilt? Because you know what? We all have sinned. We all have fallen short. How we deal with it is important. I want to share with you two people's names. They're dead now, so I can use their first names. Some of us are like Jerry. In my, one, my very first district of my own I got out there, and I had the Waller, Texas Church, and they loved the party. They loved to have socials. In fact, is one couple had a ceramic cup with a ladybug put into the bottom of it. Now, Gary got that one day, one time when they were out in gathering, and they came back and had hot chocolate. And all evening long, he would drink that cup and then he see that bug and he would uh, fill it up please fill it up please he never acknowledged the bug in the bottom of the cup one time that evening so they had another time they were together and um, Elsie got it now you have to understand Elsie's one of these people who tells you what she was thinking Elsie looked at it and Elsie learned her English it was more Southern English. She was German. She didn't learn her English until she went to school. So her English was of the community in which she grew up in. And when she got to the bottom of the cup and she looked in there and saw that, she said, what's that bug in the bottom of my cup? Some of us are like Jerry, not wanting to deal with our guilt. Some of us are like Elsie, and we see it. Okay? It's important. 
because when we don't see it, we lose self-respect. And when we lose self-respect, we, re we lose respect for others. It's important. Balaam is an interesting character. He really was. How many of you would have been run, run through by an angel, been tempted to be killed three times and say, can I go on and do what I want to do? Balaam sits there at the bottom of it and he says, now, if this displeases you, displeasing to you, I will, I will turn back. Now, wait a second. The angel has tried to run him through how many times? Three times. When you don't want to see something, what? You don't see it. Balaam didn't want to see it even though he is sitting there and had an argument with a donkey. And I don't know how many of you have ever argued with a donkey. And a donkey answered you back. But boy, if you could have a talking donkey, you had a gold mine on your hands. But Balaam is so angry, he cannot see his own guilt. Because he was told, don't go. This morning, when guilt is used right, rightfully, the life will show change. When guilt is used rightly, a lot of us get, don't mind getting feeling guilty. You know that? It feels good to be guilty. You know, some people like people to preach a fiery hellfire and damnation sermon. And then when they get out, well, I've got to change my lifestyle. How many change their lifestyle? Here's what someone wrote. When a man is partaking of the divine nature, the love of Christ will be abiding principle in the soul. The self and its peculiarities will not be exhibited. Said in the word, we draw closer to Christ. Our peculiarities, what? Our selfishness dissipates. But if we do not confess our guilt, those things will not dissipate. You can hide them. The light can come on. And you can act like it's not doing damage. But somewhere along you're going to have to change an engine. The tax collector felt his guilt. In fact, he felt it in such a way, the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his head to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. He understood his guilt, that he was guilty. His heart was open for the Spirit of God to do its work. Gracious work and set him free from the power of sin. If we do not confess our sins, God cannot set us free. He cannot open the door to help us to enjoy life. Lots of people want to enjoy life and want to enjoy it happily. We cannot bear our burden. What do we sing? We cannot say bear our burden alone. I must tell what? Jesus. 
too often we are the red lights are going on the dash light is going on and we because it's not beeping you know there's a lot of vehicles when they got a dash light my motorhome when something's going wrong it starts beeping and uh, you know when you got starts beeping you get you get your attention and you can't stand the beep anymore you want to pull over turn the thing off and figure out what the problem is yet if it's just the light goes off and you feel guilty and you don't hand it handle it you're not going nowhere and you're going to replace an engine the Pharisee didn't feel his guilt. On his prayers, he, the Pharisee stood and was very praying to himself, God, I thank you, yes, that I am not like other people. Yeah. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay my tithe. Of all that I get. Man, he sounds like a good Seventh-day Adventist. He doesn't swear. He doesn't cuss. But he is self-righteous as you can get. By, get. Right? You know what? He's looking at himself. And the dash lights are going off. He says, I don't even see them. The Pharisee boasted self-righteous prayer showed that his heart was closed against the influence of the Holy Spirit and he felt no need and he received nothing. I'm okay. Sometimes we get to saying I'm okay and we're about ready to fall through the floor. We're falling apart. I believe that we need to pay attention to the warning light. The warning light is going off. What is the burden of guilt? Describing Jacob, one put it after his sin, his deceiving Esau and Jacob fled from his father's home. He went down with a sense of guilt. I can't go home. My brother wants to kill me. I can't see mom, and I can't see dad. Guilt. One of the thoughts that, above all the other thoughts that pressed upon his soul that night, was the fear he had cut himself off from God. That he was forsaken of heaven. There was no way back. He didn't wait on God. He took things in his own hands. He's done it his own way. And now he's got a rock for a pillow. He's having a terrible moment. Remorse is set in. He feels what? Guilty. Light is going off. He's in trouble. And God steps in. With guilt, you get help. He said, then he said, let me go. He's describing at the end of before as he's coming back into the promised land. He's wrestling with Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus says, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you what? I will not let you go until you turn off the red lights. Right? Turn off the beeper. Wash me and make me whole. That's the Savior I serve. Who helps me turn them off. Jacob. With joy and gratitude he saw as he saw that ladder by which a he, he, a sinner, could be restored, restored to communion with God. God said that night, Jacob, there's a way home. It's through Jesus Christ. The lights can go off. I can fix the engine. But I can't fix it unless you tell, help let me turn the lights off. David prayed. When we see our guilt, then we are able to help others find peace. Think about it. When we take time to confess our sins, then we can help others find a way to the throne. Gee, the psalmist wrote in his great confession, when he gets down there near the end of his prayer of confession, he had murdered a man, committed adultery, covered it up. His lights had gone off, haven't they? Beep and sound is there. He says, only I have sinned against you, O Lord. But when he gets to the end of his prayer, he says, then I will teach the transgressor your what? Your ways. And the sinner will be what? He says, because you're willing to acknowledge where you failed and you have dealt with your guilt, you can go to someone who is struggling and say, I have been there. I have struggled. Have you ever struggled with guilt? With anger. Spend a prayer and help you to forgive. Help you to let go. David says, when you do that, you can open the door for somebody else to enter the kingdom. Confess your guilt and you are more patient with others. You know, when you don't see your guilt, you don't have patience with the other person. The fact is you your your fuse is so short that it what? It blows this piece of dynamite up. Here. If you are in communion with Christ, you will place his estimate upon every human being you will feel for others the same deep love that Christ has felt for you think about that for a moment when we confess our guilt we have compassion for others who struggle it is so easy to say well I don't have that problem 
a Lutheran minister. I grew up in the Lutheran church, and there was a Lutheran minister who was, was drying out. He was an alcoholic. I can remember the sermon he preached in the church I grew up in. He says, the Lord never gives me any credit for not overeating sauerkraut. He says, I don't like sauerkraut. But he says, I have other things that I like that the Lord has given me victory over. And the Lord tells me, I've helped you. Okay? What you see in somebody else may be awful. But Jesus said this. Don't try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye when the plank is in your own eye. Deal with your guilt that you may have compassion for the other one. Interesting, when we do confess our guilt the right way and let it go, then you will be able to win, not drive, to attract, not repulse, for those whom he died. What a statement. What a statement. You will be able to draw them, not drive them away. You'll be able to have compassion. You will have something that they see they want. And I often hear, when is the church going to finish the work? I'm going to say it very clearly here this morning. When people are one, not driven away. by, And people are attracted because they see Jesus Christ. Jesus is looking for the church to be there. And we have all the power to be there. The greater the sin, the deeper their misery, the more earnest and tender will be your efforts for their recovery. Jesus could have lectured Mary Magdalene endlessly that day. All he said to her was what? What do you say to her? Neither do I what? Condemn thee. She already knew her guilt, folks. She needed someone to tell her how to come home. And Jesus did. In fact, I love with this part. You will discern their needs and those who are suffering, who have been sin sinning against God who are oppressed with burden of guilt. You see, when we confess, we can help those who feel guilty. And guess what? When we have confessed our guilt, you can see it on the screen, hopefully. One more, guys. Angels will help you reach, reach, reach the most careless, the most hardened, when one is brought back to God, all of heaven reaches. When we have that heart, when we have the heart that confesses, we have that heart that takes that first admit that we have a guilt, it opens the door to angels to helping you reach others. And she didn't just say reach others. She said some of the most what? 
difficult people. Those who give you the hardest time. I remember a man I had to deal with. He had bad doctrine. And he came back to the church. He served as a minister. Gave hope. You have to recognize, unless we confess, we can't give hope. Don't move past guilt. It will kill you. I don't know if you can read that very clearly, but it says guilt can either hold you back from growing or it can show you what you need to shift in your life. Period. I like it. I like when I found it. Folks, we need to either shift or it's going to kill us. You can't keep a hold of it. Sometimes we like to play with it. Every soul that refuses to become a partaker of the atonement provided at such a cost must bear his own person, the guilt and the punishment of the transgression. There is a way out from guilt for everyone, and there's no need to stay there. Unconfessed guilt opens the mind to the malice and prejudice of others. Ooh. I'm going to illustrate it. Somebody else has illustrated it much better for me, and I'm going to read this. When he, Paul, thought of his guilt in allowing himself to be controlled by the malice and prejudice of the priest and the rulers, even when the, when face, when the face of Stephen had been lit up, lighted up with the radiance of heaven, Paul felt his guilt. Paul recognized unless he confesses his guilt that we can be controlled by people who have bad intentions. That's not very nice, but that's true. This morning, when confronting guilt, don't point out their guilt. I loved that thought. It's easy to judge the mistakes of others, difficult to recognize our own mistakes. But, man, sometimes I've had a few people I would love to tell them where they were wrong. Have you ever had that opinion? A couple of times. I wish mine were only a couple of times. But I know of one time where I told I didn't say a thing. I made a visit. Tears ran down a man's face. He had said some really ugly things. And then he told me, he says, Pastor. And I got to back up before I tell the rest of this story. My wife, when I went home and said, I said this person was going to be in church on Sabbath. And she looked at me. Did he say he was sorry? No, he never said he was sorry. But when a man's tears are running down his face, does he have to say he's sorry? 
He said he's sorry. Folks, if we are going to reach the world, we've got to quit pointing out its faults and do something else. To tell the tempted soul of their guilt in no way inspires them with a determination to do better. No way. It's not going to work. Unconfessed guilt results in carelessness and recklessness and indifferent. Eli Wessel put this Jewish man put it. The opposite of love is not hate. It is indifference. Think about that for a moment. The opposite of love is indifference. When I do not show when I do not show compassion, I have the ability to show compassion. I'm indifferent. We need to get beyond that. The very agony of the mind I had suffered was a positive event that the Spirit of the Lord was still arriving with me. He said that when the sinner becomes hardened in guilt and does not realize the enormity of his transgressions, he flatters himself that he is about right and in no particular danger. When we do not pay attention to the warning signs, the lights going off, and say, oh, well, I'm no danger. You know what? I convinced myself that engine was going to run for what? Forever. I abused the engine, and I ended up having to take it out. But I am thankful for a, an earthly father who never said one word to me, why did you do this stupid thing? He just provided the wrenches, provided the labor and work with me and was very happy to look at that car drive out to drive that night. Maybe he's trying to get me married off. I don't know, but, uh, but he was delighted. The Spirit of the Lord leaves him. He becomes careless and indifferent, rec recklessly defiant. You see, when we don't confess our sin. We get rebellious. Simple as that. We want to call it simple. It's not really simple. Guilt used rightly will result in true confession. He has an honest heart who yields to the conviction of the Holy Spirit confesses the guilt and feels his need of the mercy and love of God. Wow. True confession is of greater value than guilt. Now, see, I want you to understand it. Because if I just stay guilty, I hate you again. Mm. Guilty, I am bound by that guilt. But if I confess it, now, David, how many of you would stand up for a relative like David? Huh? A murderer? An adulterer? 
Not too many of us would be too excited about that relative. Yet God says he loved him. David erred greatly, but he was just as greatly humble, and his contrition was as profound as his guilt. You see, once he moved away from the guilt, he recognized his faults. And he said, create in me a, a what? Clean heart. He recognized the power of God. Sabbath school lesson. Part of it is that God brings us into difficulties. God often brings people to a crisis to show them their own weaknesses and to point out, point them to the source of strength. You, 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 folks, I've been there more times than I want to acknowledge. But God brings us to a crisis point for us to learn to trust. And that through him we are victorious, not through ourselves. But we cannot do. God taught Jacob that in his own strength he could never gain the victory. That he must wrestle with God for the strength from above. We need to do wrestling. The fact is, I think sometimes we don't wrestle enough. But we need to. Only way out of guilt is through Jesus Christ. Put it closely. Christ bore the guilt of our sins of the world. And our suffering, our sufficiency is found in Him only. The incarnated Christ and the death of the Son of God. Our strength is there. We don't have to carry guilt this morning. Well, too many of us do. We don't have to carry it. Jesus says, I will help you work it through. I will put your engine back in your car with you. Hour at a time. And you can go on and enjoy life. Unconfessed guilt says, I can solve my own issues. That's what it is. The fact is, it's interesting. Pilate, would we say he had a troubled morning that morning, that Friday morning? He had a decision to do the right thing or do the wrong thing. He had the decision to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world or to please the Pharisees. He tried to find the middle of the road. where he didn't have to stand for it or against it. He was in terrible conflict. He would present the true and innocent Christ side by side with a notable Barabbas. He said, look, I've chosen the worst possible person in the prison. A murderer a thug who claimed he was the Messiah. And he said, I'll bring Jesus out. And this is a no what? 
This is a no-brainer. Instead of doing what he says should have done, he did what he shouldn't do. He says, I can solve my own problem. He flattered himself that the contrast between the innocent and the guilty would be convincing that so convincing that Jesus of Nazareth would be their choice. What a bad what. His light went on. He said, I can solve my own problem. Did his light ever go out? No. He chose to, to solve his own problem this morning. None of us need to carry guilt. Not a single one of us. David ends it with these words. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. And I will teach the transgressor your ways. And the sinner will be converted to you. The church and us individually cannot afford to hang on to guilt. But we need to acknowledge it, confess it, and let Jesus go to work so we can touch others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time that we start reflecting that compassion of Christ to the guilty around us. That Christ may come soon. Do we have a closing hymn?